Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Every time I come back to my own sensual expression, and whether it's through dance or my own pleasure through somatic sex practices and these things, every time I come back to it, I remember like, this is where I need this at least because this has been the direct source of my trauma, my pain, my suffering, and yet it's simultaneously the source of my healing, this whole element of needing to transcend the body and how that made no sense to me. It made absolute no sense in all these beautiful scriptures of such mind-blowing concepts of uh, interconnectedness and all the things, right, that are so beautiful about spirituality. But then just that, that like pissed me off. I'm like, what do you mean we have to like (laughs) go beyond this body? It's like this body is why we're fucking here. Welcome, beautiful beings, to season two of the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast with your host, Harrison Ma. This podcast sets the loving intention of creating the mystical space needed to pull back the layers restricting health, alignment, and love. Now let's walk you home to your cosmic spiritual heart space. Before we continue this beautiful chat today, wonderful souls, I need to jump in here to share something really exciting. If you've been following these episodes or you've been following me on social media, you know that I am in the process of releasing my first book, Your Cosmic Love Antenna, Define, Embody, and Emit Your Unique Frequency of Love. And at the time of this episode release, pre-orders are now open. If you have been pulled to this show, if you're looking to understand the what, the how, and the why of love, if you're looking to apply some of the tools connected to your chakras in a child, releasing religious trauma, ancestral healing, emotional release, and so much more, then this beautiful expression from my heart to yours is for you. If you are looking to channel more of your unique gifts and the divine frequency that you are, these pages will open all of this up. And if you're interested, all you need to do is go to cosmicloveantenna.com. That's cosmicloveantenna.com. And you can pre-order this book right now. If you pre-order, click on that link, put in your email, you're going to get access to some special gifts that I'm only offering to those who get in before I release it fully. These gifts are going to be some more channeled meditations, activations, and some other surprises from my heart to yours. So head over to CosmicLoveAntenna.com, pre-order this beautiful expression, and I can't wait to hear how it shifts your life. If you're listening to this after pre-order sales, that same link can be also used to go to the direct purchase link. Sending love, and I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode today. Good morning, evening, afternoon, beautiful beings. Welcome back 
to the show. Welcome back to a very, very spiritual conversation today, but with an extra little flair and let's say dance of sexual and sensual energy. I am really honored and excited and grateful to share a beautiful woman and her heart with you today. Before I do, I want to set the foundation and the intention. If you are tuning in for the first time, welcome. If you are a returning listener, I hope this conversation today hits your heart. If it does, please share this out with a friend, a family member, a lover. If you gain some insight and some new perspectives and understandings, you can always leave your comments and feedback over on Apple and Spotify. This helps me build the show and helps me pick more episodes like this if it really activates you. Speaking of activation, today we are going to be speaking about all things sexual alchemy and sensual healing. I have the divine Miss Desi here today. Desi is a sensual embodiment facilitator, a trauma-informed being that helps other souls explore somatic sex and sensual dance. Today we're going to be talking about what is sexual alchemy? Why is it needed? What is sexual alchemy's connection to expression and communication, the inner child, sexual identity, nourishment, and so much more? Desi, welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna. What an introduction. That might have been the best introduction I've had anyone ever write about me. How does it make you feel? Mm, seen, for sure. With that energy, Desi, I'd love to go straight into it because I know you have a lot to share today that I can't wait to receive and help others experience. So I think the first question here is what is in your actually what i'm going to do i'm going to read to you your definition of sexual alchemy and i would love for you to add anything else that i'm missing okay so mm -hmm. sexual alchemy in desi's description is harnessing the power of our sexual energy in a way that we are attuning to our most authentic needs and boundaries in sex either with a partner or with our own self-play and self-pleasure. Am I missing anything with that, Desi? Mm, can you read it again? I will. Yeah. Sexual alchemy is harnessing the power of our sexual energy in a way that we are attuning to our most authentic needs and boundaries in sex, either with a partner or solo. Mm, so the thing that's missing immediately i feel there's like the harnessing of it but then there's the actual doing something with it <laughs> and that's i guess is the, the missing part of the definition for sure what do we actually do with that energy once we harness it what are examples of that what do we do with that energy in your life how have you either <laughs> helped people or how have you used this sexual energy from alchemy in your own ways so the first thing that comes to mind, I have, 
actually used my sexual energy the very first thing comes to mind I'm going to be honest is kind of the destructive side that I've used my sexual energy that's because I have actually channeled my arousal and my my beauty and this sort of the sexual energy that's moved through me in my younger days I actually channeled it and used it to my destruction <laughs> and, and other people's destruction as well. So um, I've definitely used it in not so healthy ways, but when I think of channeling it and in a very wholesome way where I'm integrating it and, and seeing sexual energy as this really beautifully divine energy that we can work with and not against. I've definitely used it in ways to create Mm. so much. I mean, create my whole business Mm. definitely has come from (laughs) the healing and channeling of sexual energy in a wholesome way. And you can forge such beautifully deep, intimate mm-hmm. connections, and and not just with sexual partners, but with mm-hmm. friends as well. And mm, there's so much you can yeah. do with it. I think that's. I think you nailed it with the word creation. And we. This is one of my favorite limiting beliefs to break. Of. I am not creative. I don't have, we look at other people and we see them painting or dancing or Mm -hmm. singing or, you know, you can insert creative act here and then we see them and then we apply the limiting belief of, oh, that's a them thing. I'm, I don't have a, this is my favorite one. I don't have a creative bone in my body. And in that itself, we don't acknowledge, as you said, the destructive things that we're constantly creating. So Mm. it's not a fact of, and I want to get your thoughts on this. It's not a fact of whether we are creative or not. It's more about, are we creating for destruction or are we creating for loving expansion? Mm. Yeah, I can totally resonate to that of not feeling like I was creative, which is insane to even think that I ever once thought that knowing how I've like, I developed fully on my own, my branding for my whole business. And I'm a dancer. Like my soul is a dancer. I dance to process, to heal, to, I consider myself an artist in the way of dancing. And I love to write poetry as well. So now even thinking that at one point in my life, I thought I wasn't creative. It's insane. It's so crazy, but I mean, so much is there that has to do with just the programming and shaming that we take on through school and all these different ways that tells us we're not an artist unless we're in this very specific container. And and if we're not that, then we should be having the perfect grades and wanting to be successful like everyone else and all these things. So programming. Yeah. Programming is deep in many ways. And I think we're going to hit on, we'll speak later about guilt and shame 
I think that that has a very big, <laughs> especially when it comes to the sacral space and the pelvic area. I've spoken about so many times on this show, but we'll come back to that. I want to actually ask you now, Desi, let's, let's continue this building up of this sexual alchemy idea and concept. I want to ask you now, why do we need sexual alchemy? And I'm going to, again, I'm going to throw a quote back at you to stimulate some of these answers. You said to me when I asked you the same question previously, you, you said, our relationship to sex is our relationship to our body. It's the most sacred thing we can bond to. When you ask me why do we need sexual alchemy, I I take that question so personally. I'm like, why do I need it? And I think of my whole lifetime of how much how much pain I've endured in sex and not just physical, but emotional and how much, how more often than not in my whole early years of exploring sex, I felt more alone and more isolated than anything else in my life had made me feel. And I just think of how sex to me, it's such a, and my journey with it, it's this fascinating thing that has been the source of probably my deepest wounds <laughs> and the, the darkest uh, shadows of my life. Yet simultaneously in those experiences, I was always searching for some sort of holiness in the act of sex, some sort of communion to something holier than what I was experiencing and and also just closeness and and intimacy right so I guess I would say why do we need it I I just think of why I every time I come back to my own sensual expression and whether it's through dance or my own pleasure through somatic sex practices and these things every time I come back to it, I remember like this is where I need this at least because this has been the direct source of my trauma my pain my suffering and yet it's simultaneously the source of my healing and if I can show others that that's possible through sex I guess mm. it's everything to me but um yeah why do you think we need sexual alchemy <laughs> well I'm just listening to you express this and a quote, one of my favorite quotes pops into my mind by Joseph Campbell. And for regular listeners of the show, you know what I'm about to say. The cave that we fear to enter holds the treasures that we seek. And when we are being intimate and sexually connecting with someone, we're entering those caves, whether we, whether we are consciously aware of it or not, you know, as you're describing the things left unseen will be seen. And ideally those things that are left unseen would like for them to be pleasant and beautiful and 
and unbounded in nature, which to be clear, is our baseline state. However, due to the human condition, and most of the pain that most of us have experienced, that unbounded state of divine love, I would call it, is layered on top with a lot of trauma, limiting beliefs, programs, and illusions. So this very seemingly, I don't want to say simple, but pleasure-filled act now becomes a dark night of the soul because what does intimacy break down to? It breaks down into, into me you see. So the more intimate we are, i.e. the more clothes we take off, the more genitals we touch, the more saliva we exchange, the more that we're showing the other person. And I think a lot of us have things that we don't want to show. Does that resonate? Yeah, and we can't even, absolutely. And we can't even see those things for ourselves in the comfort of just us being with ourselves. So why the fuck would we want to see them with why would we want someone else to see them? Yeah. Yeah. This amazing book that we're both reading right now, The Art of Giving and Receiving, Betty Martin's in the very beginning. It's like one of my favorite quotes that I highlighted from it. She says something like, nearly all of the issues that people have with sex has nothing to do with the actual sex. It always boils down to the fact that we don't have the tools to communicate yeah. what we actually want, knowing what we want, how to ask for it and trust and actually be safe in receiving and then vice versa in giving. How do we even give in a way that's unconditional and without needing or, or violating all these, all these conditions that are usually there and just the simple act of exchanging energy. It's like, if that's taken care of sex will be great. will be a symptom. (laughs) Sex will be a symptom of that. Um, and we'll, that's one of the topics I want to hit on today. So hold that thought. We'll come back to that, the balance of giving and receiving. And because I have so many thoughts on it, so many things that are bubbling up. But let's, I want to, speaking of fragmented, I want to share another quote that you expressed around why sexual alchemy is needed. And you shared that our relationships, our relationship to our bodies are fragmented. Women are told that our bodies are broken inherently, that they are nu- they are nuisances and that they are gross. I'm wondering what comes up around this. Immediately, I think all humans are told this. It's not a yeah, man not a versus female. woman thing. Yeah. It's not a man versus woman thing for sure. It's a human thing. We're told. Our bodies are sins just for being bodies. (laughs) And um, how do we move through that? How how have you moved through that limiting belief and that, because it's shame in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's shame and it's like deep-seated distrust in the one thing that is the only thing that's keeping us here is our body. <laughs> the most important thing, if not. Um, how do I move through it? I still move through it to this very day. Like literally just before, a couple hours before this call, 
I'm doing this. I've told you I've I've been in this inner child thing for a moment, and I finally finished it. Thank God. But I'm now on to the sh- the shadow version of it, which gets a bit more intense. And I was doing some work with that, and I had some things come up that was still showing me one of my <clears throat> deepest shadows. And it's still there. It's still there kind of like in the back of my mind from time to time is that of deeply resenting my body. Yeah. And whether it's, you know, because of the shape shape or size, whether it's because of my bleed or because the just the the burden that is going through a period every month, or if it's or even the the this sort of limited belief of the burden of being a sexual person and needing those sexual desires to be fulfilled or or even just the the silly kind of constructed burden of needing anything mm-hmm. my body needing anything and then feeling a burden that ah, there's so many facets to that shadow but i had not even considered it's so deep yeah. <laughs> it's so deep and sometimes i feel like will it ever actually go away Probably not. Well, um, let me share some thoughts on this because I do think it will go away. But I think the reason that you feel it so deeply is because it's not just you that this is from. And mm-hmm. what I mean by this is for all of you beautiful listeners out there that are reading my book, in one of the chapters I talk about two things ancestral being the ancestral breaker of chains and religious trauma and i want to just filter these into this point here around this shame of the let's just talk let's get specific let's say the shame around the female body the shame around the human female body from a ancestral lens down your ancestral line let me be very clear if if you in this lifetime are not religious at all, you still have this wound because statistically in your ancestral line, either your mother line or your father line, there has been some kind of persecution. And even if it wasn't religious, i.e. within many churches, it's seen as sinful for touching yourself, playing with yourself, connecting sexually, all the things, even if it wasn't religious, there is this there is the same spiritual wound that the the body must be transcended and forgotten and and not even a part of the conversation of awakening and we're, we're going to speak about this in many ways today but i just want to plant this seed as as desi described the body is the gateway to awakening so the the degree in which we hold onto shame and guilt around any bodily sensation, let alone bleeding or or sexual interaction, is the degree in which we shut our connection to our presence off. So more of a share there, Desi, but what comes up for you around all that? I'm freaking out over here. I'm like, <laughs> I this is a huge reason. So I come from a Way back in the day, I studied Tibetan Buddhism. It was a past life at this point. And I was quite devoted to the Dharma and the study of Dharma. 
at some point I was even so sure I was gonna seriously become like a Buddhist nun and go on to like translating Buddhism and all these things. Hilarious how that complete almost opposite of that possibility, how it all unfolded. But, but um, I was just thinking when you, when you were saying that how this was a big part of what like really turned me off from these spiritual traditions is that it wasn't every type of uh, every lineage within Buddhism. Tibetan Buddhism was quite profound in accepting the full spectrum of of being a human, and it's what part of why I was so drawn to it. But definitely other types of Buddhism, and especially specific lineages within Hinduism, and different paths that yoga actually derived from. It was there's such a core component of what you're speaking to this whole element of needing to transcend the body and how that made no sense to me. It made absolute no sense in all these beautiful scriptures of such mind-blowing concepts of uh, interconnectedness and uh, all the things, right, that are so beautiful about spirituality. But then just that, that like pissed me off. I'm like... What do you mean we have to like <laughs> go beyond this body? It's like yeah. this body is why we're fucking here. Yeah. How does that go? Yeah. It's it's yeah, I think you described it beautifully. And I'll say one more thing to this and we'll move on because there's so much more I want to talk to you about today. But I think <laughs> another component of it is the whole ego conversation. The we must kill the ego. We must the ego is a bad thing. And in that, in that act, we also, the, the body and the ego are very synonymous because I teach this anyway. Our ego is actually formed as we, our chakra system is formed, right? Our solar plexus in many ways is our ego identity. And the problem is that it's not the ego that's the challenge. It's what we're filtering through the ego. So we're filtering through a wound of, let's say, abandonment or rejection and rather than working with that wound within the ego, we're blaming the whole ego complex itself. We're blaming, instead of me dealing with specific shadow of me being rejected and abandoned as a child, instead of dealing with that, I'm just going to throw the whole ego thing out. I'm going to transcend the body, which the ego is housed in, and I'm going to become enlightened. And that, my friends, is called spiritually bypassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's... Let's move on, Desi. I want to share another quote from you. You're full of wisdom. A when did you when did you pull these? I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sneaky like this. I'm sneaky. So one more quote here from why is sexual alchemy needed? Because I think this is how, this is painting a beautiful picture of why. And then we're going to talk about more practical pieces here in a second. You shared a quote from a feminine perspective around why sexual alchemy is needed, and you said. As women, we are broken for wanting sex and broken for not wanting sex. So I'm wondering if you can elaborate and explain that a little bit. Yes, and I I want to share a bit that I, I truly, in my line of work now and specifically because of my current studies I'm trying really hard to not 
polarize and dichotomize man versus woman. I feel like it's a human thing. And yeah, I just want to say that first. Um, but yes, I guess being a human that identifies as a woman and experiences the world as a cisgendered woman, you have certain experiences uh, in relation to how you're judged and ridiculed for being a sexual being. But again, it's such a human thing. We're all in some way, shape or form experiencing this to some degree. Um, yeah, it, it creates such a, it creates so much distortion of how you relate to your pleasure and your capacity for arousal and everything that has to do with sex. You have so much distortion created in your relationship to your body, mind, spirit, everything when you're told in your most impressionable years as well. Like I'm talking like so young, you know, I, I remember being shamed for first ever masturbating and touching myself when I was like four or five years mm. old. Mm. I was so little. Mm. And at the same time, this is a bit intense, but at the same time, I'm also being, you know, like as punishment, I'm being whipped and physically punished in this way by my parents. Bless their souls. They were, one of them was an immigrant. So that's all she knew. But, you know, so I'm like in that same experience of feeling my body for the first time in a sexual way, being four or five years old, being like a curious little creature, like what is happening? What is this energy in my body? And being shamed and being heavily reprimanded in, mm -hmm. in something as awful as being whipped and, and hit, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, holy shit, that was the very beginning seeds of how I related to sex. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the rest of my developing life was a complete mirror of that, those deepest wounds for sure, of just being constantly curious of what this energy was and deeply curious of my body's capacity for sexual pleasure and why that's there. And it also feeling incredible and feeling like it was the worst thing I could possibly do is have sex and mm. and touch myself and yeah mm. it's um it's crazy it's so crazy that's how a lot of so many I don't I know this isn't me I know this is like a pretty familiar story for a lot of people it's almost if any aspect of my life that I share with people that I work with especially it's like one of the most common things people relate on is this how early they received su such intense reprimanding and shame and guilt around just being curious let alone actually doing things yeah. that should have been punished you know like should have been punished just literally being curious yeah. and not having that proper support or proper uh, parenting yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> I underline that word. So first of all, Desi, thank you for sharing that so honestly and openly. And I, I agree with you. You're definitely not alone. And I'm happy that you extended this to men because it also 
as you're sharing, I have my own stories of this. But before I elaborate on that, I just want to highlight something here. <clears throat> I speak a lot about inner child healing on this show. And I've actually done an episode on this. I'll put it in the show notes. We have a set of core inner child needs. And they they vary from the opportunity to grieve and grow, to nurturing, to unconditional love, to touch, just physical touch. But one of them that most of us don't acknowledge is sexual expression, sexual energy, having a relationship with our sexual energy as a child. So I just I share this because I want to make sure every single person heard what Desi said. That natural sexual curiosity is a core inner child need. And how our parents, our caregivers, either ideally supported it and allowed it to be met, the need to be met, or unfortunately for most of us, didn't allow it to be met, it will it will be one of those shadows that comes up, as we spoke about earlier, in the intimacy of sexual connection because it's intrinsic. We deserve to have it met. So what does that bring up in you, Desi? That understanding that it's a inner child need, that it's a core need. Honestly, what I'm having come up is just a very clear thread that I'm seeing, and it's something I've seen time and time again in doing inner child work yeah. and facing this over and over. Just of such a clear thread from that moment of those earliest wounds to such uh, like momentous experiences in sex that my memory has kept quite clear in my mind <laughs> mm. of losing my virginity and you know my first uh proper like abusive dynamic and and then also my first like sexual experience that was mm. beyond time and space sort of like out of body orgasm all of these like really intense sexual experiences there's this thread that continues through them that it was, there was always this seeking of just receiving, I guess, the comfort and the, and that loving, nurturing embrace that I should have received when I was, you know, between four and seven, eight years old in every sexual experience that unfolded after that, which was not more often than not quite uncomfortable, you know, like quite deeply uncomfortable in how I was having sex with people. Um, I can see it so clearly, like, wow, it was just always coming from this place of wanting that original, that like, yeah, that original source of just actually being nurtured and loved through the desire. Yeah. So let's, let's make this super clear for people listening. That sounds like you're getting to this point with your inner child work, but for everyone tuning in, I want to make sure you hear this when that need 
to be seen in that desire or to be to be given permission or to be supported in the feeling of the sexual attraction or the sexual act we can give that permission ourselves right in a child work is us reparenting ourselves so in that moment within this sexual context of oh i need permission or i need to be supported or i need to be held within this desire that i currently have in that moment we can give that to ourselves instead of looking for the mom or the dad or the caregiver that was not there or was there in an unhealthy way, we can replace them, right? We can be that need. We can meet that need. Have you, have you started to see this within your own inner child work, Desi? Sexually, let's keep it sexually, within your sexual inner child work. Yes, of course. I have. Mm. I'm thinking where, what, what should I bring forth? Because the whole the inner child, just my journey with it is like, oh, there's so much there. Um, but yeah, sexually, absolutely. I mean, a lot of my experience sexually, through you know, from the time I lose, I lost my virginity, which is quite young as well, like 14 years old until maybe just a couple years ago honestly like three years ago I um most of the sex that I engaged in was there was usually two things happening and kind of like uh titrating is that the right word titrating between the two I was either disassociating and there was a bit of this like feigning death sort of a f- experience in my nervous system where I would go numb or kind of uh, go out of my body. So I wouldn't actually have to experience what was happening to me. Or I would just be in a bit of pain because I would usually, I would usually have sex too soon in a way that I wouldn't I didn't really have a voice to actually say that I wasn't ready to have sex Mm. or that I didn't want to and there's so much there with why I would loop on those uh patterns of not being able to express that I didn't want to and thinking that I should express that I always want to Mm. and all these things but so yeah when I think of the sex I was having so young, so much of it was, there was very clear, I could see now, there was such clear pattern trauma responses happening time and time again of wanting to run away from my experience and not actually be present with it. And the moment that I was, it was painful or it was uncomfortable or it just wasn't something that I actually wanted to be doing. And I guess I can see it's, it's so painful to see, but I can see how I would put, I would keep, I would keep on putting myself in those circumstances purely because I was just 
dying for intimacy. Yeah. Like I was dying for this connection. This this connection and this mm. close embrace by you know I'm I consider myself uh, heterosexual. I, I guess I'm I have been curious about women, but for the most part I'm like I've only, I've only been attracted to men. So it's just been this constant uh, pattern over and over again of this craving, this like oh, I need that closeness mm. to a man. But yet, time and time again, it just wasn't fulfilling that. Yeah. And not only not fulfilling it, but then... Causing more pain. Causing more pain and perpetuating a qu quite delusion, toxic uh, concept of what I thought intimacy was. Yeah. And I guess there was a big pinnacle moment in my life with inner child healing where... You met the need. I met the need, and this is how I met the need. I went through like years of healing my father wounds in real time with my dad. Not, not that he was doing the energy work with me. That would have been cool. But like he was in my physical presence and I had to face him. Um, and from that, from those years of doing that, I came to a point where my mom kept telling me through those years, like, yeah, your dad was, your dad was such a loving father. Like he loved cuddling you. And he loved being a home, stay-at-home father. And I just like, in my inner childhood, I had no memories of that. Yeah. I was fully relooping on like, my father was distant. Yeah. My father was just completely vacant, like not there. And I couldn't believe my mom. And then eventually at some point, after very painful experiences of going through these memories and also really intense experiences healing my relationship with my dad in real time. I had such a profound moment where I could see as clear as day as if it was happening right then and there, my dad holding me and me being a baby, like returning to that infant state and him looking at me with the most precious eyes of unconditional love and this experience of seeing that divinity like me feeling divine because he was actually looking holding and looking at me in that way and this was kind of this moment for me of like wow this this is the, love that this is what i was searching yeah. for like this, this whole time yeah, yeah. and um so it doesn't yeah. i just want to reflect on your beautiful story and you've shared that with me before but I'm so happy you shared it with everyone else tuning in because it it highlights a lot of powerful lessons. But one I just want to pull out is the illusions that we're getting stuck in. A big part of inner child healing is acknowledging that it's rarely the actual event itself that is causing the long-term pain and separation in most cases, and your story is evidence of this, it is the story we're telling ourselves around it. And the example in your story is that the, the, the deepest reality is that this deep divine love was there from the start. But due to the stories that you had been playing and, and were becoming your reality, you were unable, due to that illusion, to drop back into the deepest state of divine love that was always there. 
And this、mm. is not a Desi thing. <laughs> this is a human condition thing. So I shared this for everyone listening. Search for these stories and don't just search for them. Allow yourself to surrender through them and to be held in that love that's behind all of them. <laughs> right. I, I want to shift here, Desi, to another topic I want to hit on here within this sexual alchemy dance. And it's one of nourishment. And when I say that word, I go to food, I go to exercise, I go to being out in the sun. Right, all these things, this is all nourishment in many ways. But what I want to get your thoughts on is how sexual alchemy, sexual, this divine sexual connection that we've talked about in a few different ways thus far, how can sexual alchemy, alchemy be nourishing for us? As you're listening off your things, you're like, it's food. For me, it's exercise. I'm on the other side, like, sex. <laughs> it's sex. <laughs> I mean, this is really it, though. It's like one of the things that we just, the basic human needs. We need intimacy. We need sex. We need, I mean, not any type of sex, but we do need that closeness. But sexual alchemy in particular, Where we're actually looking at how do we cultivate closeness in a way where we feel safe and we feel like our authentic expression is being held and our needs are being met and boundaries respected, all these things. I think it's quite nourishing. In my own experience, I found it quite nourishing. Because it truly puts aside all of the expectations that、mm. we have for so long placed upon something like sex.、Mm. So many expectations of what it should look like or how it should feel, and all the conditions at play that put so much pressure on ourselves and others. For sex to be a certain type of way. And I mean this like, yes, penetrative, penetrative sex, but in all the ways, just even, just even the simple act of flirting with someone or intimacy、mm. and just kissing, like such, such simple things as well. I feel so many of us put so much expectation on each other and on ourselves to perform a certain、mm. type of way. And so, In the alchemy of just actually like attending to your most authentic needs and your desires, and then having that be held, and you feel safe in it. And maybe that does lead to sex in a certain way, or maybe it's just something like being held or being, you know, spoken to beautiful affirmations just to see you feel nice. All the possibilities that you can explore with someone or just yourself. It completely unravels all those expectations and just creates space for 
whatever your truth is to actually be held and seen in you being a sexual being. And that's, I think, and you know this example, we've talked about this well. You know, the first time I ever practiced uh, one of the most amazing tools that I was gifted in my somatic sex training, I expressed that with the partner I was playing with, I, I expressed that I just wanted to be held. And in this moment, I definitely felt there was sexual energy, of course, because I was playing with someone that I was attracted to and I had that connection with them. So there was that sexual energy there and to fully feel that energy. But then no matter what the arousal was doing in my body, what my truth that actually wanted to be seen and spoken was that I just wanted to be held and then that actually being met, it was nourishing, can't even capture what that feeling is. Mm. You know, it's like, it's so like, at a cell deep level, it's like this quench. It's almost like I'm literally in a fucking desert yeah. about to die of thirst. And then I'm given a glass of water. It's like yeah. that type of You're <laughs> nourished. soul deep quenching. You're nourished. I, we're we're going to talk about the three minute game here in a second. Cause I want to, that's a very practical example of how we can start to uh, cultivate sexual alchemy. But this example of, our expectations and perceptions of the sexual act. Going back to what we spoke about earlier with religious programming, that was just one example. All Just in this lifetime, how many of us are exposed to pornography, exposed to magazines, TV commercials, movies, where certain archetypes of sexual expression, sexual acts, sexual desire is framed for us. And whether we are conscious, whether we are actively aware of it or not, these things are seeping into our, what we talked about before, our ego structure. And then we're creating our reality based off this. So when we are with a partner, and we're looking to actually connect to them, be intimate with them, we are unconsciously putting them in these boxes of reality that are being created in the background. So in many ways, the solution to this, and we'll go to this next and talk about the three-minute game, is being present. But when I say being present, it's not just adding in mindfulness and breath work and meditating together. Those things are beautiful. Those will help. I see you lighting up with that, <laughs> but it's actively making the choice to bring your, the fullest expression of you forward. That is beyond those boxes, beyond those personas. So let's talk about this testing. Let's, let's go deeper into, can you explain to people what the three minute game is? And then we can, we'll, we'll flow from there. Yes. So the three minute game is a gift of Betty Martin. So she's an incredible soul that teaches all things dramatic sex. And she's the author of this book, the art of giving and receiving where she breaks down this game, the three minute game. 
and it's something that you can play with just one other person or a group of people and it's quite simple in the game one person goes first and they ask what would you like to do to me for three minutes or maybe the first one is actually what can i do to you for three minutes it can purely focus on touch you can use that language like you know i'd like to touch you in this way for three minutes but it can also just be i'd like to do this for you or to you something like this go look the book <laughs> look at the book so you get the exact language but um there's definitely a bit of flexibility in the language that you use. But the premise of it is basically you start to get down to the nitty gritty of what it actually means to give and receive touch in a way that's fully respecting and honoring what that person needs and what that person can actually receive in touch or you know, if you're playing with a partner and there's clearly going to be sexual play and sorts of things. It's so, one of my favorite things ever. This yeah, game. It's, <laughs> it's so beautifully nuanced. So you explained one of them. How would you like me to touch you? But then the other side of it, so there's two questions. How would you like me to touch you? And... And then the and then it swaps to the receiver asks the giver how they yeah. would like them to touch you. So it's yeah. So this is beautiful dance <laughs> of again giving and receiving. But I think the thing I want to point out here with this is it's a giving and receiving that creates the opportunity to have this flow of gifts move without expectation like once you've set the parameters once you've set the boundaries with it with this person that you trust and and feel safe with this flow and she talks about it in the book this flow of this gift is able to move but not just able to move it moves without expectation and i'm wondering if you could speak to this does he in your experience is that flow easy or does no. it usually bring up <laughs> does it bring up things it's never easy <laughs> well i maybe i just haven't practiced it enough with one partner like actually going to that depth of i i can imagine if it was practiced heaps with one person you know after a while it would become definitely some ease, <laughs> some flow within playing it with them. But no, I feel like it's, I feel like it's supposed to shed light on the discomforts of, of what we've programmed ourselves to believe is, act, is giving and receiving, which, you know, most of us think that receiving and this is like personally my own experience i can speak to this i've received a lot of touch that i did not want so that receiving is almost against my will 
And in the receiving, there is this, and when I think of receiving as an energy of life, of uh, uh, my body, I'm like, I want to dance it. How do I, it's like, uh, almost like a buckling, like you, you, you're, you know, you're taken aback by it, but in that sort of buckling, that like melting, it doesn't necessarily mean that you want it or that you asked for it, <laughs> which is so sad to have so much touch that I'm, I've received, but I didn't actually want when, you know, in this book and, and how Betty Martin beautifully writes about it, it's like the receiving is ultimately we are receiving a gift, right? It's, um, and in that, in that concept of receiving a gift and the giver that's giving it also recognizes that I'm gifting someone. It's yeah. not doing something to someone that they may not necessarily want. And then the other side to it is, so the gift, the gift in that instance is because the perceiver has asked for something, the receiver has asked, has asked the giver to touch them in a way that they want, right? So the gift is them receiving that, but then they swap it. Mm -hmm. And then the receiver asks the giver, how would you like to touch me? And now the gift is in the giving. Right. So this is the other side to it. And this is where, and I'll share my own experience on top of yours. I have often not allowed myself to receive the gift of touching another person because I've overlooked, I've only given the gift for their own sake, for them to please them. Mm. So this is where the, mm. This is where the people pleaser in a child wound comes in, where we only touch someone else to please them. We only touch someone else to give them pleasure. And in that act, what we're, what we're doing is we're cutting our own gift off. We're cutting off our, how our own senses are picking up on someone's skin and not allowing ourselves to feel how good that feels for us. I can see you getting excited. What do you want to add? <laughs> Well, it's just usually in that giving, it's such a, it's such a distorted complex of what we think that they want, because most of the time they're not actually expressing what it is that they want. So we're giving in this like weird delusional way of, oh, this is, okay, I'm going to be, can I be very like frank with the, an example that I want to share? Let's do it. <laughs> you know this example, I've told you. So in my experiences of sex, I relate to this so much because one of my favorite things to give is oral sex. And for me, it's been like my whole time, my entire time being a sexual being, I have seen it as like, wow, how I can give that pleasure to someone. Yet, because of this work especially, I can see how so many times I immediately would enter this mode of, oh, I have to do this. I want to, and I have to, because there's this pressure to perform a certain way that must be what they want. The, the man must want me to be this super crazy wild woman that just wants to go down on him for hours, right? And it's there's truth in me wanting that, but there was never the the 
actual conversation or if that person wanted that, let alone like the breaking down and like dissolving away of this illusion that I created in my mind of what and projected that onto should them. actually look like, and right? Onto them, yeah. <laughs> and so this beautiful thing that I find is such a it's such an intimate thing that we can do with each other giving each other aura it's like oh how deeply intimate that is it became almost I don't want to say like a chore but it became this project it became a project that if I then wasn't having the the cues of that person enjoying it how I thought they would because I was performing the thing so well then I was then a failure because uh, yep. I wasn't actually. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. I I want to share a quote with you and the audience that really highlights exactly what you're talking about. This, this creating of these realities that don't exist, that aren't. And this is just to be clear, this we're giving this in the sexual context, but this exists in life in general. This exists. This is how we're, we're not catching this. Then this is how we're viewing our friends, our family members, our all the people in our life, we're placing them in boxes of illusions that do not exist. We're not seeing them for who they are. The quote that I want to share is from, is from Neville Goddard, and this is on my Instagram. He says, your world is defined by your conception of yourself plus, and this is the good part here, plus your conception of others which is not their conception of themselves. And it's exactly what you're talking about, right? In the oral sex example, we, we just, the solution here goes back to coming back to what we actually want in our heart, right? Allowing, and this is probably the final piece I want to speak to here around the three minute game. What starts to happen when we start to catch these conceptions and these, these attachments to these ways of living and expressing, once we start to break free from them, something interesting occurs. We start to have another voice speak through us. We start to have the voice of our heart and our actual desires come up. So I'm wondering, does he, have you noticed this? Have you noticed your own desires from your heart of, let's just call it a fuck yes, right? a fuck yes of wanting to do something just for the sake of you actually wanting it rather than any attachment or expectation being present? Yes. <laughs> Can you give us an example? <laughs> being celibate. Mm. This is like literally as you're speaking this. This has been for, I'd say, two years. It's been there in my, just like percolating in the back of my mind as I'm still relating, as I'm still <laughs> engaging with people. It was like my soul was screaming it at me that I needed to stop having sex and only have sex with myself and go through that 
that portal of of not being able to have that experience with anyone and see what discomforts were there this is like the most obvious thing that's come out of kind of going through this finding this work and and experiencing it and learning it and and embodying it which is hilarious right like <laughs> going to a somatic sex training and then and being such a sexual being my whole life and then what came out of it was really my heart being like stop having sex <laughs> but um how deeply nourishing that's been to actually listen to that and is almost more nourishing than than feeling the need to put into practice these things with other people because now oh now I have these tools so okay let's see mm-hmm. who will play in this way with me you know it's like yeah I have all these tools but all these tools are ultimately pointing to the fact that I need to be able to listen to my fucking heart I need to mm-hmm. be able to listen to what I actually want you know and that's that's a huge part of the problem honestly it's such a huge part of the problem is that a lot of us just don't even know we truly do not know what it is what we want in sex like specifically in intimacy mm-hmm. yeah there's so much we're told that we should want and then we see like you're taking it back to pornography and what we see in the media, all these things and then there's so many things there that are mm. telling us that we should want it this way or we shouldn't want it this way. And it's so confusing. So then at the end of the day, when someone asks, when someone is sitting there in front of you or you're sitting with yourself, doesn't even have to be with a partner. And you're asking yourself what it is that you want more often than not, more often than not, it's truly not that easy <laughs> to actually mm. figure that out. And, um, yeah, it's so, it's so, so, so empowering to actually operate from that space of hearing that desire. And I, I, I truly feel like it needs to be done with yourself first before with anyone. Well, to at least find some baseline of being able to attune to what it is that you want yes. for yourself before you actually place the need of having that yeah. experience with someone else. At least it'll just it'll make it easier if you actually do it with yourself before someone else. You you can't say yes. You don't know what your yes is until you've worked out what your no is. And I guess a way I can describe this, I'll put this episode in the show notes as well. I've I had a chat with a lovely friend on the show, Shireen, talking about the difference between conditional and unconditional loving. And we fall under this illusion that it's one or the other, but it's actually both. We need in this instance to make love to ourselves, to work out what are the conditions that bring out the most desire in my heart, within myself, within my sexual being. So then within those understandings, those boundaries, those that framework, I can then share that with someone else and we can play and we can do that gifting of the giving and receiving within this container that I've worked out for myself, but then also understanding with the unconditional love that that container can change all the time, that we can set new boundaries, new parameters, new, new ways of loving and being intimate 
either with ourselves or with someone that we care about. Miss Desi, I could talk about this all day with you and we might have to do another chat to at least do a video chat to get <laughs> to get your excited face out there on, on the video. But until then, wrapping up this conversation, if people have connected to your powerful heart and this sexual alchemy and this work that you're doing in the world, how can people connect to you? I know that you have some retreats coming up. I know that you do this work with people. What does that look like? And if people want to dive in, how can they do so? So I have what's called an erotic soma membership. And this is where I'm every month leading some type of practice, embodied practice, with something to do around somatic sex. And we twerk a lot. <laughs> I teach twerking. This is um one of the ways that we get into our bodies. But this is going to be your best bet if you actually want to work with me directly in anything to do with somatic sex practices. Uh, otherwise, I have... Yes, it's a retreat, uh, central embodiment. It's a facilitated training retreat. This is a container that I've led virtually for a couple of years now. And this is going to be the first time I do it as an in-person retreat, which is quite special. So if you're interested in facilitating central embodiment practices in the very specific approach and modality that I facilitate them in and yeah you can learn from me and go on the epic journey of becoming a facilitator that's in Portugal in December and where and they can find this information it's mostly on your Instagram right yes it's all on my Instagram central somatic okay. I will for all people tuning in I'll put all the details for Desi's uh, Instagram and where to find her in the show notes. So she better open the podcast player and click the link and go straight to it. Desi, I have one more question here for you as we finish. And this is the cosmic love antenna. One of the reasons I named it that is because my understanding around love has changed throughout my life. I, as a little boy, became very disillusioned with the understanding that my higher power was a man on a cloud outside of me keeping score. So I became atheist, but then came back to spirituality and a deeper relationship to my higher power in the understanding that love is that higher power for me, that love is the essence of everything. So I'm wondering, Desi, in your world, in your journey, how do you define that love word yourself? I use the word God. And I do in this way that I also was brought up with this idea that God was uh, some being on a cloud. <laughs> However you just said that. 
Um, but just in my time, I have found that God is absolutely that the representation of that love, that divine love. But I see God as more, you know, the the essence of whatever it is you're seeing when you're submersed in nature and you're just seeing it all around you or in quite like miraculous moments of deep connection with humans that you feel so enamored by or or even fuck the moments where I'm you know in shambles crumbling on the floor picking myself up having moved through something quite intensely I mean in all these all of these precious moments it's God you know so I don't really ascribe to this notion that it's some it's some singular thing that's out there it's more of uh all present in every way, internally and externally, all around me, submerged in every moment of my day, type of love that's, yeah, it's quite divine. Did that answer your question? (laughs) There was never any expectation (laughs) on how you could have answered that or not, Desi, but that was beautiful. And... Thank you for sharing it with me. Thank you for sharing your heart with me. Thank you for being so open and vulnerable with all of us. I hope this hit the hearts of everyone tuning in. If it did, please share this out with someone that you think it can help and support. If you want to connect with Desi, you know what to do. But until next time, here on the show, we send you love, we send you light, and we'll see you again very soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna with me, your host, Harrison. If you gained value or this episode hit your heart, please remember to share this out with a friend, a family member, or a lover. You can also leave your love over on Apple Reviews and Spotify star feedback, and this helps me spread my frequency to more souls in need. Finally, if you want to connect with me deeper, want to reach out, interested in coaching, please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Harrison Ma, Ma spelled M-E-A-G-H-E-R sending you so much love. Fabulous Souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. 
but I like airplanes. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.